From the heart of the Nipti Radio Recording Studios, high atop 107 Columbia, with one eye on Eagle Street and the other eye looking for the sanity clause, welcome. Today our practice tip is about the basics of pleading and proving a burglary case. All burglary charges contain three common elements. First, knowingly entering or remaining unlawfully. Number two, in a building. And number three, with the intent to commit a crime therein. Additional aggravating factors such as the building is a dwelling or causing physical injury or being armed with a deadly weapon elevate the level of the crime from its basic D nonviolent felony offense to a C violent felony offense or a B violent felony offense. When presenting a case to the grand jury, you must elect which one of the two initial elements fits your fact pattern, either entered or remained unlawfully. Both cannot be charged in one count. This is duplicitous pleading and would result in reversible error. The majority of fact patterns fit entered unlawfully as opposed to remained unlawfully. These are cases, for example, where the burglar enters a business or home without permission or authority to do so. In proceeding under this theory, you must prove the defendant entered with the intent and not that it was formed at some time after the entry. Remains unlawfully would apply to cases where a burglar has authority to enter a location initially but then remains after his or her license to be present has been removed. This would apply where the defendant came into a department store during business hours, but then hid in the store until it was closed and he or she no longer had the right to remain and then committed or attempted to commit a crime therein or simply remained there with the intent to commit a crime. In some cases, a defendant may have permission to be in the public area of a business that is open to the public, such as a department store, but does not have permission or authority, nor have any reasonable belief that she or he has such permission to enter a private storeroom or to go behind the counter where the cash register is found. When the defendant enters such areas, you would charge the burglary as one where the defendant entered unlawfully. Another example of remains would be a person invited into a home, but then is told to leave. Once the permission to be present is removed, remaining and then committing a crime or possessing the intent to do so would be considered a burglary. If you believe there is a blurring of the facts wherein the jury might find one or the other of either enters or remains unlawfully, then you should charge two separate counts of burglary, one with entered unlawfully and one with remained unlawfully. When a defendant enters by deceit, such as impersonating a police officer, this should be charged as entering unlawfully, since the defendant did not have proper license or privilege to enter. To establish that the defendant entered or remained unlawfully, prosecutors are accustomed to calling as witnesses the owner or lessee of the particular location to indicate that he or she did not give the defendant permission or authority. While this is the strongest evidence of this element, it is not required that the owner or lessee be called to testify. The Court of Appeals decision in People v. Barrero from 1970 is often cited to substantiate this proposition. In that particular case, the defendant's lack of ownership of a car could be inferred from the surrounding circumstances as presented by the evidence. The court wrote, that the evidence presented at trial, according to common human experience, 
would lead a reasonable person to conclude that the defendant was breaking into another person's car. Note that in these cases, since there is both direct and circumstantial evidence, there would not be a circumstantial evidence charge given to the jury. In proving whether the defendant has sufficiently entered the building or dwelling, it is sufficient that she or he has broken the plane of the building or any part of his or her body intrudes within the building. For example, reaching through a window of a ground floor apartment to grab a handbag from a table by the window is a burglary. When you are presented with a case where the factual issue is whether the defendant actually entered the building, consider submitting the lesser included charge of attempted burglary to assure there is a reasonable alternative crime for which the jury can find the defendant guilty. The crime the defendant intended to commit is not required to be identified in the burglary count, nor in a separate count in the indictment, nor in the Bill of Particulars. You only need to prove to the jury that the defendant possessed the general intent to commit a crime therein. Thus, burglary indictments may contain a single count which does not identify the intended crime or crimes. If you identify a crime in the body of the burglary count, such as larceny, then you must prove that the intended crime was in fact larceny. By doing so, you are adding an extra element that is not required. If the defendant steals something from the building he or she entered unlawfully, you would charge that as a separate larceny count in the indictment. With that manner of pleading, you are not obligated to prove the defendant committed the larceny in order for the jury to ultimately convict the defendant of burglary. The jury would be permitted to acquit the defendant of larceny and still convict of the burglary unless, of course, the judge would incorrectly charge the jury that they must find the larceny was the crime intended. Never forget that the burglary charges only require an intent to commit a crime, so you are not required to prove the defendant committed or even attempted to commit any crime in order to be convicted of burglary. The jury is permitted to infer from the defendant's conduct that he or she intended to commit a crime even if he or she is apprehended before he or she did anything within the building that could identify the particular crime they were intending to commit. The term building has been expanded by statute to include not only those structures that fit the ordinary meaning of the word, but also structures, vehicles, or watercraft in which business is carried on or used as an elementary or secondary school as well as all enclosed motor trucks or motor truck trailers. The courts have determined that a van is considered a building for burglary purposes. A building that contains both commercial and residential units can be considered a residence for determining the proper level of burglary charge. Diselevation can occur even if the defendant is in the non-residential portion of the building, such as in the basement of an apartment building. Hospitals have been determined to be residential, thus including the executive suites contained therein. However, if the burglar is found in a non-residential part that is so distant or removed from the residential part, or is not connected or accessible to the residential part, then it would be unreasonable for this area to be considered residential and is not permitted to be so charged. The Court of Appeals has recently, in the case of People v. Joseph, in 2016, 
as well as 2014's People v. McRae, address these issues. A defendant does not need to be apprehended entering or inside or seen exiting a building for you to have sufficient evidence for a burglary charge. Obviously, finding fingerprints of the defendant or the defendant's DNA has served prosecutors very well in the prosecution of burglary cases. But even without DNA and fingerprints, the recent and exclusive possession of property taken from a burgled location can serve as circumstantial evidence of the burglary and the jury will be so charged. To make the prosecution of such cases practical, the defendant should have been apprehended shortly after the time of the burglary and in possession of all the property that was stolen from the location. Today's practice tip requires a good deal of authority. You will find it in the written version of the practice tip, and you will find more authority and more issues addressed in the larger comprehensive memo addressing burglary. Our thanks to our crack producer, Jonathan Marconi Crespino. Good luck to everyone, and stay ready, my friends.